Welcome to episode 130 of the Horror Podcast. Class. 130 of these things. Man, <laughs> my name is Tyler Unsel, and by day I am just an ordinary teacher, and by night I transform into an ordinary teacher with a drinking problem. Just kidding. I don't have that yet. Uh, but I do like to talk about spooky shit all the time. So uh, I am joined tonight, as I am by most nights, by my co-hostess with the mostest, the shrewdest skeleton I know, Orin Gray. Orin, what's going on, man? Uh, what uh, what is new since we recorded last? It's it's October, so it's the busy season um, for for all of us spooky people. Yep. So lots of stuff, <laughs> lots of stuff. Very good, very good. Well, um, one more thing, hopefully that you'll catch out for the Halloween season is uh, episode one thirty here because yep. tonight we're going to discuss what we've been reading and watching. We're going to highlight some free content on the internet with our dark corner of the web. And finally, we're going to throw our voices and control the dummies sitting next to us as we attempt to shed some light, some academic light, that is, on James Wan's ventriloquist flick, Dead Silence. But before we get there, Oren, what have you been watching? What have you been reading? What what content have you been consuming? Um, so, so unusual for me, I've actually been consuming a lot since the last time we talked. Like, mm. I have seen... I've seen more movies that came out in 2021 in the last couple of weeks than I have the entire rest of the year combined. So Yes, sir. Yeah, That's great. Um, but I've seen a lot of stuff. Um, a lot of it's been kind of disappointing, frankly. <laughs> um, but uh, I did find, like, I turned on Netflix finally, um, and I watched the Three Fear Street movies, which I know I am way, way late to this party, but they were great. I had fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, everybody, if you have Netflix, don't watch it on the 20th unless they change the day or cancel it because there's going to be a walkout over the Chappelle show transphobia oh, bullshit. Oh, yeah. Um, there, there's like a thousand employees walking out. So support the boycott, support the walkout, solidarity with the workers, all that shit. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, uh, so I have a troubled relationship with Dave Chappelle because I think he's, I think he's fucking brilliant. I do. Uh, I think when he is talking about uh, the way Hollywood treats talent and the way yeah. it treats particularly black talent, he, it's it is fantastic and important and uh phenomenal and i think it all he does it with that edge of comedy that i think makes it all yeah. I, I easy easy to consume and to understand but yeah man this this last uh special uh, it just seems like a weird pick to or a weird fight to pick you know yeah. like uh, and like i mean for, on, the, on the one hand obviously you know i i have all the solidarity with with trans uh, individuals and fuck a bunch of that and that transphobic comedy bullshit that he was peddling. That's definitely true. But also, I support anytime workers want to use collective action to try and change their workplace. So yeah. even if I didn't agree with them, support the walkout. Like yeah, yeah, you know, one hundred percent. Like, um, but yeah, but uh, yeah. I mean, as someone who writes in you know the Lovecraftian sphere. I have had to deal a lot with the fact that someone can be really smart and good at one thing and really fucking wrong about something else. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. And really, really terrible. Yeah. Right, yeah. Just, you know, it, it like, it's, it's cool. I mean, you know, people who, who like Chappelle's other work and 
want to keep want to watch this new show even go to town but you know it's oh. he can he can be both really really funny and a horrible fucking transphobe like these these he can be both of these things yeah <laughs> no 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 you're you're yeah. 100% and, true yeah, yeah. so and, and like, you, know. you can consume content from problematic artists and still enjoy it right, right. and i think that's yeah. that that's something that i think we have echoed um, on the show a number of times like Absolutely. Uh, 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 an individual critique of a movie or something that we may provide does not mean that you can't like it it, it right. does it it just means you know reading it through this particular right. lens can be problematic and there's a hundred percent the case with uh, a lot of dave chappelle stuff yeah 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 and you know when when the artist is still alive obviously there's there's ethical considerations about supporting their work in in various circumstances with various different repercussions and each person to some extent needs to work that out for themselves yeah um where they stand on that like but yeah but you know i mean it's it's you, you do you but also let's pressure netflix to do better like yeah yeah oh and percent you know and i think you hit the the nail on the head that this walkout that is planned i think is just one more example of the worker that you know the worker coming out of the pandemic realizing the overall strength that they have right yeah and the the great the great quitting or whatever we you know the the great resignation i think is what the right. atlantic called it i think is a fascinating phenomena and if i'm being perfectly honest this year has been really horrific for teachers across the board but specifically for um my wife for a couple of uh, reasons that I think we talked about uh, earlier, mm -hmm. but, but it hadn't been great for me either, just because teaching in the pandemic is not, not a great thing. And then you couple that with school board um, meetings of which people like threw big fits about things. And it's like, Oh man. And like, I, I don't know, like I get it. I get people that have done something for 17 years that are like, nah, I think it's time to do something different. I like, yeah, uh, I mean, I am, I am very glad I'm not you. Like, I am very glad I do not have your job. Like, yeah. I, it seems, I mean, I, I have nothing but admiration for teachers, but I'm really glad I ain't one right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I will give the same, the same kind of response that I always give, which is you want to know who's been fucking fantastic through all this, the kids. The kids have come back. They want to learn. They want to be there. They, you know, obviously you have an occasional right. one. But if I could just teach kids and if I could just be around those wonderful students that want to learn every day, I do be a cakewalk. But yeah, uh, yeah uh, that's not the world we live in. So, right. <laughs> all right. Well, well, enough about uh, the socio political implications of shit. Just kidding. We'll get to that later. But, uh, so what, uh, anything else you want to highlight? Anything else? Uh, I mean, again, a lot of this, if I've watched, has been like low key disappointing. I don't really want to, I don't really want to like put anything in Get the spotlight. Cause not, not, well, none of it was bad enough to be like, definitely don't watch this. Like, you know, it, it was just like, it was just like, eh, that was all right. Eh, that was all right. You know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, except, except for Halloween kills, which I did see and we'll talk about next time. Um, spoiler, spoilers for our, our teacher next time, but yeah, we'll be talking about the next time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very good. Very good. Uh, so, uh, just like you, I have an astronomical amount of shit that I've been, uh, been checking out, but something that I've been saving to watch through with my son, Paramount just put out, sorry for the glare there, mm -hmm. but they put out their big, um, uh, 
like collection of Friday the 13th films. So right. we've been uh, slowly but surely making our way through every single one of them. They've got some great commentaries on it. And uh, I think that actually will come out on Tuesday. But uh, yeah, it's like that, great spooky season start. Does that one have all 10 or just the Paramount ones? Ooh, um, let's see here. I've got part two, part three, final chapter, two, four, six. I just have eight on here. Yep. So, yeah, that's the yeah. set I've, I've got. The set I've got also has only the Paramount, only the eight that were Paramount. Mm. Um, like the Scream Factory set has nine and ten, but. Nice. Yeah. yeah. This is, I think, a great entry level. Uh, the, right. the price point isn't ridiculous. And, I mean, so. I, I, you know, I don't need nine and ten. Like, right. eh, yeah. Jason X is fun. Nine, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. But you yeah, know, yeah. The first eight are the ones I want anyway. So, <laughs> well, and, and I have found at least the last two you can find pop up on like Sci-Fi or you know something else during right. the spooky season, especially. Right. Yeah. So you can get a hold of it a little easier. Um. So what else? So what else have I been consuming? What else have I been reading or watching? Well, obviously Squid Game, because literally everybody and their brother uh, has been watching it. Also, for what it's worth, the high school kids absolutely love it. So I'm always intrigued by that kind of intersection of like what the general population is about and then what the high school kids are really into. And mm -hmm. fucking everybody at school is talking about Squid Game. So nice. I'm like, you should check out this film about uh, middle school students kind of in the same vein called battle royale so i can't wait for those phone calls home uh <laughs> like mr Anso, what are you uh what are you telling your <laughs> my bad uh also they watch squid game though right like right. that thing's uh super violent and super gory but i i, I would tell you it has a ton of pathos and, and is really interesting too so you know hey um so what else Midnight Mass. I, I tweeted about that the other day because I finished Midnight Mass and it is to it is not going to, that ending is not gonna be for everybody. <laughs> but at my absolute core, I am this mushy, like big R romantic optimist, man. And the monologue at the end uh is really great. I am not particularly religious, it and it allows people to I think experience religiosity without the dogma. And that's, I think a pretty impressive thing. And uh, yeah, my, Mike Flanagan, I think has another really, really successful property, but really the highlight of these last couple of weeks, uh, I finished my heart is a chainsaw by Stephen Graham Jones. And dude, uh, like I, I can't even get into it. Like, uh, so fucking good. Yeah. Like there is a scene at the very end. I'm not going to ruin anything for anybody, but it involves the super emotional moment between uh, a teacher who is just trying to drag a student through graduation or trying to drag them through this rough period of their life. Right. And you, you kind of get some of those breadcrumbs throughout, but I've had that feeling, man, so many times of students that you love and adore, but are just in a cycle of self-sabotage or, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I like Stephen Graham Jones nails that relationship and I know he's a professor in, in college mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff, but I don't think you get to develop the same relationship that like a high school student does. And I mean, the dude is the dude I think is writing the absolute, certainly the absolute best horror fiction out right now. And I would argue maybe the, the best literature out there. Uh, and people are just too scared of, of genre stuff to, to experience him, but fuck man, it's great. 
it's really good stuff. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm really glad to see his stuff like getting more mainstream attention. Like the only good in or uh, the only good Indians. So yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and and my heart is a chance of getting like from bigger publishers and a little more mainstream. That's that's fantastic because he deserves it. I mean, he always has deserved yeah. it absolutely. Yeah. Um. So I'm really excited about that. Um. And uh, some minor news for people that uh, may be listening. A lot of My Heart is a Chainsaw is about exploring the rules of a slasher film. Mm-hmm. And uh, tentatively, Professor Jones has agreed to come on and talk to us about the new Scream movie after the new Scream movie comes out. So he will be our uh, guest for that. And I think that no no one better can help explore no. the new Scream than, uh, you know, yeah, the, I'm the not, guy I'm who not wrote sure. the book on it. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure anyone has ever loved the Scream films more than he does. So, yeah. <laughs> and it's, and it's very evident in my original oh, yeah. chainsaw, you know? And this is coming from somebody whose first car uh, was named Sydney. Her name was Sydney Prescott Unsell. As weird and scary as that may be. But hey, yeah. It was a, uh, it was a gray Ford escort. Uh, and uh, it was kind of a piece of shit, but it was my <laughs> piece of shit. So, <laughs> Poor Sydney. Yeah, poor Sydney. She's sitting in a junkyard probably somewhere, but we had lots of good experiences. <laughs> well, in in the vein of ventriloquist dummies, our dirt corner of the web comes from a, a couple of big friends of the podcast who we absolutely adore, but also I think are, are fantastic in their particular niches. It's a pseudopod episode, and I know that we've gone back and uh, back to that time and time again, but... It's a John Padgett story that really highlights, I think, how creepy ventriloquist dummies are, but maybe more importantly, like how creepy ventriloquism is in general. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, um, it was my first John Padgett story, also. So. Oh, what a great way um, to get it! It was my it was my first one, and I heard it on Pseudopod before I read it. So. Yes. Um, and their production of it is so good with yeah. like the the fake record scratches and everything. Yep. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, and, and I think it's really appropriate for this movie because this movie is like, which we'll get into in a minute, but is like, it's, it's a creepy ventriloquist dummy movie, but it's also more a creepy ventriloquist movie, right? Like the dummies are, are as they are in an actual act, merely an extension of how creepy she is. Like, yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, please check out the link here. The title of the story is, uh, oh, shit, let me get it uh, exactly right here. 20 Simple Steps to Ventriloquism by John Padgett, who also, uh, uh, side side story or side note, is a fantastic voiceover like artist of his own. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a hop, skip, and a jump away from ventri- ventriloquism. So He was, like, he was a ventriloquist. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. He was an actual ventriloquist, like, professionally. Whoa. That makes <laughs> everything way weirder, right? Yeah, like, every, like, everything. So, okay, so, 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 A, he was an actual, like, performing ventriloquist. And B, the first seven steps in the 20 Simple Steps in Ventriloquism are an actual how to be a ventriloquist guy. Oh, that he just. Like, he, he just took. Cribbed, yeah. He just, yeah. Cribbed, took the text from a, from a, uh, public domain guide 
That is so and much better. So from seven on, it gets weird, but the first seven steps are real steps. So you can actually do them. I love it. And kind of learn how to be a ventriloquist a little bit. Do you know how much spookier that makes it? Like that whole story <laughs> feel? That is so good. Yeah, yeah man. I, I might also add a, a little side note about John Padgett. Uh, he also is kind of the preeminent specialist, I would argue, um, on John Ligotti. So if you're a Ligotti kind of Thomas Thomas Ligotti, sorry, yeah, on Thomas Ligotti. Uh, so if that's your if that's your guy, then uh, John Pageant should be your your kind of um, liaison to him, you know, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, he ran Very, the official like Thomas Ligotti fan site forever. So yeah, yeah. And, and I think as as uh, Thomas Legati has become even more of a recluse. He, at least it, it appears to me that kind of John Pageant is one of, one of the lifelines, you know, one of the last oh, guys yeah. that regularly talks to him and, and mm-hmm. kind of, um, you know, has correspondence. So, yeah. 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 Well, okay. I think right. we are primed <laughs> and ready to talk about ventriloquism. So let's move to our essential question tonight. Our essential question is, does dead silence... I'll cut this out in post. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Our essential question tonight is, does dead silence provide us with any insight into why dolls are so much scarier if a ventriloquist is controlling them? Let's take a look at the... (laughs) I think this is it. (laughs) Jamie? Jamie? There's an old ghost story around here about a woman named Mary Shaw. The ventriloquist who lost her voice. Back when I was a boy, the little boy went missing. There was only ever one suspect, Mary Shaw. She was murdered. The men cut out her tongue. And this town has been plagued by death ever since. Families found without their tongues. She was buried with her doll collection. The children, as she called them. Somebody dug them up. All 100 of them. They came back. They didn't stay dead. Tongue out at the scene. 
All right, man. I, I, I actually think uh, that trailer is pretty good. Before we get into our discussion of the movie, let me give you the not-so-brief scenario uh, that the Internet Movie Database has come up with. Like, I really don't understand. Sometimes there's three sentences, and sometimes they're, like, fucking 17 paragraphs like this one. So, I mean, they're crowdsourced, I guess, most of the time. I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. All right. Every town has its ghost story, and a local folktale around Raven's Fair which is also, I think, a super cool name for a town, uh, is about the ventriloquist named Mary Shaw. After she went mad in the 1940s, she was accused of kidnapping a young boy who yelled out in one of her performances. Because of this, she was hunted down by townspeople who, in the ultimate, uh, ultimate act of revenge, cut out her tongue and then killed her. Uh, Mary Shaw's collection has returned from the grave and has come to seek revenge on the people that killed her and her fam uh, and their families. Far from the pall of the cursed hometown, newlyweds Jamie and Lisa thought they had established a fresh start until Jamie's wife is grotesquely killed. Jamie returns to Raven Fair for the funeral, intent on unraveling the mystery of Lisa's death. So, as you can tell from that trailer, uh, you can like there's a whole Mia Farrell vibe, I think, kind of going on with uh, that the the you know. Mm -hmm with uh, Jamie's wife, right? And I was all down for that conversation. This was a first time watch for me because I, had, I hadn't seen it before. And uh, I'm like, holy shit, she dies in like the first five minutes in a really gruesome, awful way. Yeah. And I, I think you're kind of led to believe that she may also be pregnant. Which oh, I think is led to believe nothing. It explicitly says it a couple of times. Okay, okay, yeah. good. Well, because she does that whole baby thing. She does and... the whole baby thing, but no, yeah. like they they say it later. Yeah. Okay, that's then like even more fucked up, right? Yeah. Like yowzers, and that's the kind of movie that that you're gonna get. So, <laughs> I, like, I, I think there's a whole lot to talk about with this film. Chief amongst them being. Uh, Ryan Quantin is the, the lead actor here. Many uh, watchers or listeners will know him as Sookie's brother on True Blood. He's an Australian actor and like he's fine in this role, but he's there to just be kind of the kind of dopey, soft, lovable lead. But I think his character is one that more finds stuff out by accident than agency if that makes oh, any yeah. kind of sense yeah i mean so. he's he's there in a lot of ways he reminds me of a video game protagonist right oh where okay. where he's got a hook but not really an arc he has really a personality or a storyline to speak of there's a reason for him to get dragged into the story and then he's just in the story because the audience needs something to anchor itself to yeah um because things just happen to him he just gets blown about by the events of the film pretty much yeah and, in it. and i think one of the remarkable things about the movie right and one part of the reason why i i overall i would say i liked it is once you get to raven's fair it it has a almost a patina over the top of it like oh, yeah. you know like a, it's this this kind of small town that's trapped in time kind of and in that way the whole beginning reminded me a lot of Silent Hill, a video game, right? Mm -hmm. Where like it's this random death and this thing that gets him to go back to this town. And it's really in the town that, uh, you know, Mary has yeah. what all the power and, you know, can right. can do whatever she wants or whatever. Yeah. 
And like, so I've, I've, when I try and explain what this movie is like to people, I always tell them it's like a super R-rated Goosebumps book. Sure. Um, and I don't just mean that in that it's like about a ventriloquist dummy, right? And the most famous Goosebumps story is a ventriloquist dummy story. Um, it's It's got that same kind of like heightened, almost cartoonish gothic tone where like the town is called Raven's Fair. Like you said, everything in the town is shot through this kind of bluish sepia filter. Um, in the town, there's this huge theater named after the Grand Guignol that is on an island in a lake called Lost Lake, right? Like this, this is a Goosebumps town. This is yeah. not a real place. This is not a place that exists in the real world. Yeah, there are not yeah. places like this. Um, but it's delightful, and yeah, it's it's like it's like Silent Hill. It's less less like industrial hellscape than Silent Hill, and more Silent Hill and more like vaudeville gothic instead. But sure. similar, yeah. but similar to the other, both they're both towns trapped outside of normal reality. Yeah, well, and, and I think I'd have to go back and rewatch it, but I think even at one point he crosses like a covered bridge to get into mm -hmm. the town, you know, it's like, Oh shit. All right. Mm -hmm. It's going to be one of, you know, this is like Hobbs end or, or right. whatever the, yeah. you know, in the mouth of madness town is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and like, there are plenty of problems with this film, right. And I'm sure we will talk about a few of them, but like from an aesthetic angle, this movie's great. Yeah. Like, I fucking love this movie. I love yeah. this movie. This movie is a weird wreck and I love it. I love everything about it. I love the way it looks. I love the fact that it has a hundred fucking ventriloquist dummies in it. I love, I love all of it. It's so good. Well, I, I love like when, when they dig them all up, right? Cause one right. of the conceits of the film is somebody has dug up, like when, when they buried Mary Shaw, they also buried all of her right. children, right? All of her. Yes. Yeah. Dolls. So, there's a, so there's literally a doll cemetery in this yeah. movie also heads up. Just that's so good. Yeah. <laughs> but like, a hundred, I think people sometimes don't realize that a hundred anything of 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 size, right, is a lot of something, you know? Like, that's a fuck ton of ventriloquist dolls. It's not just like, oh, that's a lot. It's like, holy shit, we have to design something to house all of these things. And I will tell you, one of the most effective scares of this film uh, is the scene of which they all kind of, slowly turn their heads right and they all kind of make right. the same kind of clack as they turn it is super effective and gives you a wonderful sense of scale and size and everything you know like you're like oh shit they all have these kind of like glass boxes that they're in mm -hmm. it's great it's very oh, cool the huge wall of ventricular dummy cases is amazing yeah um so uh, like a really a really interesting thing about this movie um and we're kind of we're kind of jumping to minutia from 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 big to very small, but um, especially given that James Wan would go on to become most famous for the Conjuring films, um, the Annabelle doll from the Conjuring films never visibly moves on screen ever. Like that's that's kind of the gimmick, right? It's in a different place, but you never see it move. Um, and the ventriloquist dummies in this are very close to that. They almost never move on their own. Huh, okay. Um, they very rarely do. You'll see their eyes move or their heads turn, but you never see one like get up and walk around ever once. Okay. Which is, which is an 
oddity for like killer doll movies right killer doll movies are usually more in the chucky vein where you see one actually get up and walk around hold a knife that kind of shit and these never do that they're just kind of creepy um they move more than annabelle does but not much i, I you know and i think that <laughs> that proves that like james wan knew even back then like what was fucking scary and and there right. are like it, you can totally tell that this is a movie that came from like a decade ago, you know, that came, came from a while ago because mm -hmm. I think a sense of style and scares has changed. And it, it, you know, instead of that kind of uh, very heavy on the jump scare, it, it almost has like when the scares happen, they have this kind of glitchy element about them mm -hmm. uh, that was very popular at the time. But that idea that they never really move uh, only makes it scarier. I think. Yeah. And like, so the, the reason, the reason we picked this one, ultimately, the reason we're talking about this movie right now um, is that we were talking about Malignant recently, right? And when I saw Malignant, like for all that James Wan is best known for The Conjuring or even Insidious or whatever or Saw, this and Malignant are like the two most James Wan movies there are. Okay. Like this, when he is given free reign, this is what he almost always makes, right? He made this because Saw made a billion dollars. This was his follow up to Saw, yeah. And Saw made like all the money, and they were like, Here, have a pile of money, do whatever you want with it. And he was like, Ooh, I'm gonna make this very R rated Goosebumps movie, right? Yeah, and then a few years later, like a couple decades later, uh. You know, it's, it's like well, the country movies made a bunch of money and Aquaman made a bunch of money. What do you want to make? And he's like, ooh, I'm going to make Malignant. Yeah, I'm right. make, what if John Wick was a horror movie? Right? Like, And backwards. I mean, yeah, 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 I mean, yeah, yeah. This, this kind of goofy, but very like, it's very atmospheric, very, very heavily stylized, very just in love with the trappings of this yep. genre. That's like a Halloween store exploded. Yep. This is what James Wan ultimately wants to be doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like uh, I, I love, I love the Halloween store aesthetic, but that's what, you right. know, like yeah. this whole thing could have been filmed in a fucking, you know, spirit Halloween store. Right. Yeah. I love yeah. it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, you know, like the, the scares are probably a little bit too strong, but my youngest, like, uh, Either it was the best parenting move or the worst parenting move. I don't know. I'm sure I will hear emails from both that that agree or disagree. But we got one of those coupons for Spirit Halloween in the mm -hmm. mail. And I told him that was our ticket because he's been seeing like ads for Spirit Halloween, like on some YouTube videos that he's been watching and shit. And I said our ticket came for Spirit Halloween. This is two or three weeks ago when it first opened. Mm -hmm. And uh, he slept with that fucking coupon. Like, yeah, you know, it was like, and was like a kid in a candy store. Because it yeah. is very over the top and very, yeah. you know, like whatever. So I think, uh, yeah, man. what Like, it's, it's fuck you money, right? Like, I don't remember which comedian said that. But like, eventually you get enough uh clout you make enough money in your other projects you're like i want to do this and i don't know james wan i would love to have him on the show sometime it would be great but like i love that your fuck you money movie is this like you're like let's create a creepy town and a hundred creepy ventriloquists and call right. it good yep. like yeah yes, like, yeah yes. like the the 
oh, you let me do whatever I want. I'm not going to like make my version of Othello or right, marriage right. story or something. No, uh-uh. I'm going to make this outsized gothic cartoon yeah. is what I'm going to make. And like, I love that. I love that. Sure. <laughs> well, and I think also goes to the idea that people can can do genre projects, right? And then, you know, do non-genre projects like Aquaman or, you know, whatever else. And then, like, not view that genre as a stepping stone, which I think a lot of people do, and I'm not knocking them for it, but kind of the 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 overwhelming idea behind Signal Horizon, behind the podcast, behind everything, is that genre stuff is important on its own. Not right. because it leads to something else, but because right. it is what it is, you know? Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, like, uh, I'm glad that he didn't uh, make some three-hour World War II epic or something. You right. know, like, oh, fuck it. Also, it cracks me up to see trailers from, you know, this film and be like, from the guy that brought you Saw, because now everything is like, con, you know, The Conjuring, right. and that has become... And honestly, like, the Saw stuff is fine, and if you like it, I think that's wonderful. And you know, whatever everybody's entitled to like what they like. It's just not my not my thing, really. Mm-hmm. So, and The Conjuring is much closer to my thing. So it's like, yeah, be known for that thing, not the other thing. You know. Well, I had so amusingly, I had actually skipped this movie. I hadn't even, hadn't even been aware of this movie um, until Insidious came out. Um, because I had I didn't like Saw all that much. I mean, again, it's well made for the ten dollars it costs to make it. Like for <laughs> right, its budget, right. for its budget, it is well made. But like, um, it's not my thing. Just like you just said. Um, and so I had seen it, but had been like, meh. Um, and I hadn't paid attention to what the people who'd done it had gone on to do. Um, and so when Insidious came out, I heard, oh, it's good. I should see it. So I finally got around to watching it on home video. And I was like, holy crap, I love that. Um, so I tracked down this because it was the only other thing, not quite, but pretty close to the only other thing he'd made. Um, and I was like, oh my God, I love that. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah. Know, so. It helps reorient uh, him to you and vice versa. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, you're right. Like that thing was made for next to nothing and like not knocking Carrie Ewells. He's great. He does wonderful stuff. I, I really enjoy him. He's got a you know close place in my heart for a, a myriad of reasons, but he's not like he's not like the guy that you sell a studio on the movie for, you know. But right. like that's what they did. They were like, we got Carrie Ewells and a twenty thousand dollar budget. Who wants to see the movie I'm gonna make? You know. Yeah, and I mean, and and that's the thing. Like, that's why Saw was so successful is because it costs so little. Right. Like it made, you know, I made, I don't know, a hundred million or something, whatever. Um, but it only cost like thousands. Yeah. And so like a hundred million was hundreds of times its budget or thousands <laughs> of times its budget or whatever. Like it was, it was so much more than it cost. Yeah. Um, but, and, and that's something that, that one has always been good at is squeezing a lot out of a budget. Cause like yeah. this movie, this movie looks like it costs so much more than it does. Oh yeah! I, I don't know what the budget on this movie was, but it looks like it's it looks like it's got like a blockbuster budget behind it. It is. It's production designed, left, right, and sideways. Yeah. Well, I mean, they create a whole fucking town, you know? Right. They 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 build this huge 
theater set right and all this stuff it's it's very you know they've got a flashback sequence in the theater that shows this like really you know very legit vaudeville era theater um with a full audience yeah yeah, yeah. you know i mean this is this is not a cheap movie so um, uh 20 million dollars this movie yeah. was made on a budget of 20 million dollars and i'm yeah. you know i think they do they do well with that 20 million dollars for sure yeah, absolutely well, so we would be uh, remiss if we didn't talk a little bit, at least hypothesize or try to figure out, like, what, like, it's not just dolls, right? I think we've had that conversation before, and I, I definitely, you know, I, I think that it's an important conversation, one that's interesting, but it really is centered around the Uncanny Valley for why dolls that we think are alive on their own are kind of creepy. Mm -hmm. I think that there is something very specific to a ventriloquist in a ventriloquist doll that only heightens the fear and um you know the the scariness of the proposition mm -hmm. any any ideas why why do you think you know the ventriloquist doll is our go-to here i mean so there's a lot of there's a lot of, of angles to take on this i think um and you know the, the story that we linked to the 27 steps to ventriloquism definitely touches on the kind of more existential i guess like question of like you know when your voice is no longer coming from you is it really your voice yeah. and that kind of stuff like um but also like there's a there's a, a very practical sort of reason why we go to ventriloquist dummies in film specifically which is that film has one foot in vaudeville right it, it has one foot in uh in in vaudeville theater and vaudeville theater like a lot of most of the earliest movie theaters were also vaudeville theaters like yep. they had a stage in front of the screen they did both um and you know uh like ventilator zombies were a, a vaudeville staple and um that that shared history i think informs their deployment in film Oh, okay. Um, because I mean, they've been like, as far as I know, I mean, the, the the there's one before it. There's one before Dead of Night. I can't remember the the great the great Garbo, something like that, was the first sort of ventriloquist dummy movie that had the idea of the ventriloquist and his dummy not being able to separate their identities. So, like, the dummy began to kind of override his personality and that kind of stuff yeah. and that was that was from the 20s 30s i mean oh okay um and uh the first overtly horror film to use them was um dead of night in 1942 maybe okay. um i mean and so like they've been rooted in horror for as long as horror film has been around because of i think cinema's ties to vaudeville in part ah um i like it well so. i think uh that that's super interesting and, and definitely not an angle that i had uh i had thought about I, at least so massive obviously we you know we spoil every movie that we talk about but i'm, I'm going to talk directly about the ending of this movie now so maybe skip five minutes or so but like the the twist ending at the end of this i think is so fucking 
cool and rad and disgusting and so gruesome oh my god oh it's so good i was not prepared for how gruesome the twist in this was going to be yeah yeah like long story short the uh ex-wife right or not ex-wife stepwife i should say or whatever stepmom or or whatever um of our lead character has essentially created a ventriloquist doll out of uh our main character's father and is like feeding him and is talking through like and has essentially created this system that she can operate this dead body right yeah and uh oh it's so fucked up and so yeah. gross right yeah and like it's it's she's just hollowed out his back yeah and has like a wooden rod in there just like a ventriloquist dummy the way it works yeah 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 it's, it's so gruesome and so weird and it looks um, fantastic so good yeah 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 and i'm not normally one to love like I'm I'm not the guy that's like, oh, it had great kills and blah blah. That that yeah. is not that is not my brand of stuff. But this one has it, it looks great. It, it is yeah. really good. <laughs> there's for me, there's something different about a great kill versus something like this, right? Where this is this is not about the kill. It's about like this. Again, it, it gets into an almost, um, it gets into a horror that deals with like decay mm. and, uh, you know, the, the impermanence of the body and the dis- difference from the body and the self and all this like more complicated questions. And then you get like films like, you know, the first Hellraiser or this or things that, that are, that are gory but they use their gore for a different function than just like a crowd pleasing kill. Yeah. Like yeah, the, the gore, the gore serves a different function. I'm not knocking either function, but they're different. Absolutely yeah. different. Um, yeah, so, no. Yeah. And I think, uh, well put very, very well put. And I think highlights kind of why I think that ventriloquism continues to be this horror. Well, that we can go back to, which is at, at its, at its core, a ventriloquist dummy is somebody that is acting and operating without agency, right? right? And typically, horror films that specialize in that flip that script, right? At some point, the ventriloquist is the one controlling the dummy, or there's more to it and it's complicated. But at the end of this film, James Wan makes evident exactly why ventriloquism is so scary. It's that, especially as we get older, we have things like powers of attorney. We have, you know, people that mm-hmm. make medical decisions for us, right? And not only with aging, but also with disease and everything else, like all of us are going to be faced with the prospect. We are all are going to grow old where like shit's not going to be entirely up to us anymore, right? Like right. Uh, our individual agency will be gone. And yeah, maybe we'll be more than slappy the ventriloquist dummy, but not much, right? right? You know, like certainly a and, lot less than we have now. Right. And I don't want to make it seem like this movie is is any more highfalutin than it is because it's it's a, <laughs> it it's, is not. <laughs> it is not a, it's not a particularly smart film. But like, but this is something that John Padgett, for example, does get into very heavily in his stories, which is that we don't really have a lot of control now. Right? Like we we have control over the things we have control over 
but even those might be illusions that we tell ourselves. Yep. Um, and fundamentally, you know, like, do you have control over the whether you're not you're going to sneeze or have to go to the bathroom or whatever? You know, you're going to get cancer. Like, ultimately, something has its hand up your back and is controlling what you are going to experience. Uh, what that something is, we don't know. But yeah, you know. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I I think you're a hundred percent right. And yeah, like this film isn't uh, no, it's I, not I, interested in that shit. It's it's just being spooky. But yeah, but but I think it it falls into I think a really interesting critique of of the loss of agency, especially as you grow old, man. Like in yeah. a, and I like that is a universal fear that I think plays really really well with. Uh, you know, we, you know, especially with where we are. Yeah. Right. So a couple of brief uh, shout outs before we move to a different segment. There is, I think, a really good um, article from Gizmodo about the creepiest ventriloquist dummies of all time. I don't necessarily agree with all of them, but I think it's super interesting. And then here's the thing that I didn't even realize. Do you know who wrote the fucking screenplay for this? Yeah. I had no clue. Yeah. This is uh, Lee Winnell, who did uh, The Invisible Man. Hey, everybody. Tyler here. What follows uh, would be three minutes of completely unfactual, wrong information about Lee Winnell, some of which provided uh, is provided by me, and some of which is provided by Oren. But what is clear uh, is that we have really no clue uh, who Lee Winnell was. So here we go. We are going to give you Three wonderful minutes to fill the void of all the wrong information. Here's the real Lee Winnell. He was born on January 17th, 1977, is an Australian screenwriter. He's uh, also an actor, film producer, film director. He's best known for writing films directed by his friend James Wan, including Saw, Dead Silence, of which we were talking about today. And he made his directorial debut with Insidious Chapter 3 and has since directed Upgrade, which is fantastic, and The Invisible Man, which was one of my favorite films of the year last year. Winnell and Juan are the creators of the Saw franchise, and Winnell wrote the first installment, and he co-wrote the second and third installments. He was produced and executive producer of all the films and appeared as Adam Steinheit, character in three of those installments. He was also the writer of the Saw video game, of which I didn't realize that was there. And he was a co-writer of the 2014 horror comedy Cooties, which, if you haven't checked out, has a stellar cast and is really, really funny. That's the real information about Lee Winnell. Now, back to the previous conversation as it's happening. Let's face it, Dead Silence agenda is to make a scary movie about ventriloquist right. dummies. And that's yeah. okay, too. Right, right. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Dead Silence, Dead Silence's agenda is to be this Goosebumps novel that it is, and that's yeah, totally. It okay. is not. It is not trying to tread deeper waters. Um, yeah. I mean, and I think you know, I think that like most things, it does still by accident from time to time. Um, but but that's not its goal. Like that's not, yeah. that's not what is forefront in its mind. <laughs> no. Um, and I, you know, I mean, I mean, no disrespect to it. I love this movie. Um, yeah. I like, you know, I love, I, I love variety. It is the spice of life, right? Like yeah. um, I need, I need these stupid movies 
every bit as much as I need the smarter ones. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. All right, well, we're going to move quickly because we have a few things that we need to touch on pretty quick. The first being our uh, – these are four movies that we highly recommend if you like this film. I'm going to offer two that I think would play great as a double feature, and then Oren's going to offer two as well. Uh, we talked this season about House of Wax, but it features – a fake town that is creepy as fuck with a giant like building that serves as the centerpiece. So mm -hmm. these two movies I think would be fantastic. Uh, they also feel like one-off supernatural episodes. And uh, the second is not really a movie, but it's more an episode there. There's a lot of, I think really interesting things that happen with silence in this film, which I think plays really well with hush, which mm -hmm. is uh a, a, one of the most famous Buffy the Vampire Slayer episodes, but done mm -hmm. almost entirely um, in silence. So I think it's yeah. super cool. And like the aesthetic of Mary Shaw is really similar to the aesthetic of the gentleman of the gentleman from Hush. So yeah, yeah, like, yeah, they look similar even. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, what do you got? Um, I've got uh, Darkness Falls, which is another uh, movie from around the same era that's about a town's ghost myth, um, yeah. essentially. Uh, it's not as good as um, Dead Silence, in my opinion, but yeah, but they're similar enough movies. I think they'd be fun together. Um, and then uh, Puppet Master Two. Why why Puppet Master Two? Because um, well, the, all the Puppet Master no, the first few Puppet Masters are all fun, but Two is the one where the puppets bring Tutalon back. Um, back okay. from the dead. So you've okay. got you've got a puppet master who's brought back from the dead. He kind of transfers his soul into like a life-size marionette, essentially. Um, and so it's it's more it's got more of like aesthetic thematic things that this movie had, whereas the first one's just like killer puppets. I like it. Okay. I love those movies. I yeah, I, I love those movies except for the remake and that was the remake's terrible uh, and yeah. Really bad. Really yeah. like don't watch it bad. Yeah, it's, uh, no, yeah. it's super bad. Yeah, it's got all, all its politics are all fucked up and weird too. Yeah. Like I like I think it maybe it tries to be anti-Nazi, but it ends up kind of being anti-Semitic in the process. Yeah. yeah. Now I mean, it, it it turned a Jewish Nazi hunter into a Nazi for one thing. Like that's yeah. that's even even if your ambitions are the very best, that's a weird move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh we're also going to do that thing where um, the new movie is going to uh, compete against the movies, the last 10 movies that we have uh, discussed on the show. So I'll go first. Okay. It loses against Curse of the Demon. Um, it loses against Malignant. I just had so much fun with Malignant. It loses against Targets. Uh, I think I just have really liked the last three films we talked about. Uh, I think it is a better, more enjoyable film than House of Wax. I think it is way better than Super Deep. Um, I love St. Maud, so it'll lose against St. Maud. It will lose against uh, the... It wins against the Blob. I changed that on the fly because I think... I I, I want to rewatch Dead Silence. I've seen the Blob enough. Um, I think it loses against Popcorn just because it is a, a, a fantastic film, I think. And uh, it's like as if... We even need to say it's going to win against fear.com, which is um, not a great film. So it gets a whopping four out of 10 for me. Uh, let's see here. I am loses against Crush the Demon, wins against Malignant. I think they're uh, pretty close. 
Okay. I think they're I think they're very close. I think this one just has more of like my shit in it, right? Like it's it's ventriloquist dummies and spooky theaters and all that kind of crap, and that's my jam. Fair, and that's why. Um, Loses against targets. Uh, I think it actually loses against House of Wax for me, just because I really like House of Wax overcomes so many of my prejudices to make me like it. That whatever uh, wins against Super Deep, wins against Saint Maud, loses against V, wins against the Blob, wins against Popcorn, and wins against Beer.com. So I'm at six out of ten. Nice, nice, very good, very good. Like maybe a little more than me, but hey, nonetheless. Uh, all right. All right. So my favorite, uh, my, my favorite part of the podcast would be our one star review. I have two that come from letterboxd. One is very short and that is, this is a horrible movie. I would rather watch the Hannah Montana episode where they're all stuck in a cabin. Also, I don't know what that episode is, but if I'm going to watch an episode of Hannah Montana, I'll probably watch that episode. Right? I hope it involves an evil ventriloquist dummy, in which yes. case I'm super in. Yeah. Yes, 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 absolutely. Um, okay, but here's our real one, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and it's written in like kind of vernacular, so it may, may yeah. take me a minute to, to get there. But James Wan is for real my film nemesis. This movie was edited on PowerPoint. <laughs> Which I love. I love that as a like a fucking criticism. That's good stuff. Because it smells and feels like what you'd expect a bad 2000s blockbuster to be. I mean, kind of that's what it is, right? Me, right. Uh, uh, why is everything so blue? Ba-da bee, ba-ba-da, ba-ba-da bee. Uh, a little <laughs> joke. Uh, why are the jump scares like those scary pop-up videos people share on April Fool's? I'm just... Chucky in Jigsaw, come collect your annoying baby brother. Laugh, laugh my ass off. Okay, so I have the jump scares reminded me of this vintage ad from Worlds of Fun, which is our amusement park here in town. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they put out the series of ads a few years ago. I found one of them, and I think it captures the aesthetic of the jump scare of this movie really well. All right. And you can tell me if you disagree. But here is that commercial. Hey, Charlie, something's up with this monitor. Hey, there it is again. Charlie, you got to take a look at this. great wasn't it great oh my god the commercial was so good yeah production value was super high (laughs) like yeah yeah it was fantastic so like again this is another one-star review that like i don't know i i don't necessarily disagree with but i also don't necessarily think that it would lead me to give a one-star review of it yeah no i except for the part where like the, the claim about the editing which i don't fully understand um they're not particularly wrong it's yeah. just they're wrong that that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, next time we are going to talk about um, the new Halloween Kills, which I have not seen yet. Uh, I'm trying to keep everybody's opinions away from mine, even though they have not. What I have read is not great, but 
But what I do want to mention, uh, just with a couple of minutes that we have left in the show, uh, I, Signal Horizon is hosting uh, Horror Trivia this Friday. So I think this episode will come out on Thursday. So it'll be tomorrow at the Big Rip <laughs> Brewing Company. And we have all kinds of prizes in the gift pack, including some really badass vintage comic books. Oh, damn, son. Yeah, yeah. So I've got a whole bunch of these and... Uh, I pulled this one out of the stack for you because oh. it's got so many skeletons on it, right? Yeah. Yeah, oh, my God. Yeah. I finished comic books. Okay, I'm going to have to yeah. come and compete for those. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. so uh, they're very, very uh, – and that's all uh, brought to you by one of our sponsors that we'll link to in this particular episode um, because they, they do fantastic stuff. It's a comic book shop and toy vintage toy shop run by another speech and debate coach who, like, essentially – He's like, this is too much fun, and I'm I'm doing too well business wise to be a teacher anymore. I got to do this full time. So wow, yeah, he gave which, us all which, kinds which of shop great is shit. It? It's oh, back in time comics that would help, right? Back in time yeah. comics, yeah, here in uh, Liberty, which is just north of Kansas City, where we're at, and uh, yeah, like he specializes in all kinds of shit, but he's got a lot of really great vintage horror comics. So yeah, in there, it's uh, really cool. Yeah, of which we have uh, all kinds to give away a trivia. So awesome. Um, Oren, where can they find more of your stuff? As always, I am Oren Gray on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Letterboxd, where you can get sneak previews of what I thought about the movies we're about to talk about, um, and at OrenGray.com. Very good. Well, you can catch uh, more of me running the day-to-day at Signal Horizon or teaching school. Uh, also, if you are on Twitter, you can follow me at Ty Unsel on Twitter, maybe on Instagram. I don't do shit on Instagram, but I think I have an Instagram account. But if you're interested in being a contributing, contributing writer, giving us some ideas on what episodes that you would like us uh, or movies that you'd like us to cover, you can reach out to me at tyler at signalhorizon.com. Send me an email. I would love to correspond with even more um, listeners than we get on a regular basis. And uh, it seems like that's the, the best format for listener feedback. So hook, hook a brother up and uh, leave us a review on iTunes. All of that always helps. So until next time, when we talk about Halloween Kills, class dismissed. All right. I'm going to do this.